Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Dreamers Manual Podcast. My name is Julie Calcote, and I'm an online business manager, course creator, and host of this lovely show. Now, today on the show, we're talking all about live events and what I appreciate so much about Marsha and what I didn't know before we started recording is that she, like me, is a fellow introvert. So she talks all about live events from the perspective of who should be having them, the top mistakes that people make when having live events, as well as tips on how to pace your live event, whether you're an introvert or not, thinking about that programming and how to show up the best way you can for your guests and attendees. We also get to know a little bit more about Marsha and she gives us some tips on what it's like to pivot your business. Now, for those of you who haven't met Marsha before, she is an event planning strategist and coach for visionary entrepreneurs who want to create awe-inspiring experiences for their clients. From ideation to day of execution, Marsha is an expert in all aspects of development and management, whether it's small intimate retreats or a high-end multi-day conference. Most recently, she hosted the first annual Black Nurses Week Conference, a three-day event for which she secured a dozen speakers and $25,000 in sponsorships. Prior to starting her event planning business, Marsha was an event manager at UCLA where she produced programming at venues like the Beverly Hilton in Beverly Hills and the Four Seasons Resort in Santa Barbara. Marsha is a graduate of Georgetown University and lives in Washington, D.C. When she's not planning events, she moonlights as a travel nurse and has served on the front line during the pandemic. What I really loved about talking to Marsha today is not only did she go through the who, what, and why of having an event, she also talks about how an event can boost your authority, and she just opened up my mind to the possibility that if this is something on your heart and you're dreaming of this, working with someone like Marsha can make that possible for you. Now, before we get to the show, I want to say a quick thank you. If you follow along, you know recently I released a podcast pitch product that has templates of pitches, templates of one sheets, trainings on how to develop your perfect pitch topics and so much more. And today I had a really proud moment. I received my first pitch for someone who wants to be a guest on this podcast from someone who's been through the program. And it was such a treat. If you want to take a little bit of time off of maybe the posting and doing all of the things on social media this summer, or you're just interested in a different, possibly much more fun strategy, you can check out this podcast pitching kit. It's called Pitches to Riches, and it's at julietraining.com backslash podcast pitch. Now let's talk to Marsha. Marsha, thank you so much for joining us on the Dreamers Manual podcast today. Thank you so much, Julie. It was great. To, it's great to be here. I'm really excited. Now, for those listeners that haven't had a chance to meet you before, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the online space? Yeah, sure. Uh, Business-wise, my name is Marsha Bati. I'm an event planning strategist and coach. So I help with the logistical parts, the aspects of all the things that you don't want to do in the background. So I help visionary entrepreneurs launch six-figure retreats, masterminds, or multi-day events. So that's my specialty. It's really exciting. I, If you're a regular listener to the podcast, I just had an episode that released today and really hammered home that idea that 
people coming out of the last couple of years of this feeling of disconnection and restriction, I find they're craving that live connection and community so much more than ever. Are you seeing that in your work as well? Sure, Julie. Yes. So, and that's the reason why I launched my event planning business. I actually launched in November of 2020, 2022, sorry, (laughs) just a few months back. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, coming from a nursing background, so I'm still a nurse, uh, but coming from a nursing background, um, I've hosted my own events, even uh, was an event planner at UCLA uh, at one point in my life too, as well. And Hosting online events um, has been sort of the norm in the past few years, of course, because of COVID and people, of course, wanting to stay safe. And I've always been of the mindset of, I like to meet people in person, even though I'm an introvert. Um, I like to meet people in person. Yeah. And make those really, really great connections uh, because it's sort of hard sometimes to really get a feel for an environment or a person in the virtual space. And I think when you really bring people together, that's when people have aha moments. That's when people have really, really true connections. That's when you can really build a community. Um, Not to say anything uh, bad about virtual events. I've done them myself. I've done them in the past. But when I thought about the event planning space, which came after I just recently shut down a nurse coaching business. So I was coaching nurses on uh, business, career, lifestyle design, self-care, and something about it just did not feel in alignment. I had been doing it for several years. I've been blogging for several years on those topics since like 2014. And Mm -hmm. just recently um, was approached by who is now a business partner, friend, colleague, and business partner uh, to do a live event. She had been having this idea from some past trauma that she had had in her nursing profession and her nursing career. And she wanted to bring together uh, African-American nurses in a place where we can build community, support one another uh, through any of the uh, bad things that happen in our careers or in life. So we created this three-day live event last summer, and that was July, 2022. And after that event, knowing my background and helping um, in creating these type of spaces, online spaces, virtual spaces, and uh, live spaces, that's when it hit me when I said to myself, okay, I can really shut down my business now. <laughs> I found something that I really love to do. And that was curating really great experiences for people to come together, build community and uh, help each other with one their goals, things like that. So that's where this love of my new love, my, my, I guess, refresh love of event planning came into, into be. I love that. I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) I know I just threw a lot out there (laughs) that I didn't mention before. So (laughs) no, it's great. I was thinking number one, how I really admire people who I interpret as having really strong, like left and right brains, because to me, the nursing, all the science, which is not my forte, but to have the emotional intelligence for the connection, the coaching, the event planning is really interesting. Do you feel like you had to work to develop one or the other, or is that something that comes really naturally to you? I honestly, I'm going to toot my own horn, which is something I don't do often. And I don't think a lot of us do it enough is I'm really good at 
uh, the big picture, and then I'm really good at the details as well. So I consider myself a visionary. Um, I have these big goals, big dreams, uh, big outlook on life, and then I know how to drill it down and implement and execute and get some things done. So I feel like I work on both sides of my brain, <laughs> my left and my right brain. And I think that just makes me realize that the work I'm doing now in event planning has brought all of my talents together in this one space that I actually love doing. And I was speaking to, I can't remember if it was my coach recently. I can't remember who it was exactly recently. Um, but I was saying this, oh, it was my coach. I said, this is the first time in business that I honestly felt good, comfortable, smart enough, and was working in my zone of genius. This is the first time I felt like that in all of my business life for the last several years. And I know it's because it marries my creative space because I love, you know, curating, you know, luxury type retreats, you know, the mastermind, the three-day large events. Um, I love curating those creating, planning, producing. And, and then I love, you know, the details. I'm the background person. I'm the one who is working with all the contractors in the background to make sure you're on stage in your right space. I'm the one who's, you know, talking to the caterer to make sure, you know, our meals come out on time. I'm the one who is, um, you know, in the background, in the beginning, helping you create the best agenda. You have your content, but let's put it together in a comprehensive form where people can understand what they're here to do. So I feel like both of those sides of my brain come together and um, I'm, I'm really good at doing both. And I'm really comfortable now at saying that. <laughs> I have to say, working with a lot of entrepreneurs in the online space, to me, that's pretty rare to be able to not only see the big picture, but have a strength in the details and implementing. I, I love it. I think that's super cool. And you know, Julie, uh, I've had, when I go out and network uh, and meet people, and let them know that I'm an event planner. I've been to, I think, three events now in the past three months since January. <laughs> um, when I network with people, I let them know that, that that's part of my, well, they let me know that they don't like the implementation. They don't like the logistics. They hate that part of it. They want to create their own events. They want to be on stage. They want to tell people their message. They want to help their clients get better outcomes. But yeah, they don't want to do the logistics. So they forget the event planning altogether. They say, I'm not going to do it all together. And that's just something I'm really, really good at. And um, I love um, imparting some wisdom and tips and strategies to those uh, business owners who actually come to me in conversation. And, you know, when they find out what I do, they're like, oh, I would love to do an event, but I just don't want to do the other stuff, right. <laughs> which is, which is common. If it's not your zone of genius why do it? Like if you are a life coach and web design is not your zone of genius, why do it? <laughs> so why not just hire that person who, you know, specializes in a certain skill to help you get things done and help you with your goals as well? Absolutely. Now I have one more question that might be unrelated. I promise the listeners, we <laughs> are going to get to the actual, like the nitty gritty of the event planning, but I'm really curious because I heard you say at least two times you have made a pivot in your career and in your business. And I find that really interesting because I think a lot of people who spend an incredible amount of time, money, energy to do something like uh, become a nurse. 
or become a teacher, any type of, you know, profession that's out there can really have a a hard time, you know, potentially leaving that profession. And you might not have left that profession, but even to give themselves permission to say like, you know, I like doing this, but also maybe there's something else for me out in the world. And they get all these stories in their head about what will my family think? What will my friends think? I'm still paying these student loans. And then to have the courage to pivot in your business and each time being rewarded with this like more fulfilling outcome. I would love if you would tell us, you know, what gave you the courage to do that? And, or if you have any advice for people who are considering making that change. Yes. Uh, so first thing, um, it not only my pivots, not only happened in my business, my pivot has happened in my career, which is, um, People are thinking about leaving their jobs or switching jobs or careers all the time. And for me, in in that aspect, uh, it's funny, you mentioned teacher. I was a teacher for two years. (laughs) I taught middle school math, science, robotics uh, in South Central LA. And at the time I was teaching because I was trying to figure it out. Um, and teachers are noble <laughs> professionals. Um, but yeah, at the time I was just trying to figure it out and I heard, Hey, I can get a, a teaching job if I had a science degree. Um, and so that's what the space where I was at the time I was coming off of being a faculty legal assistant at a law, uh, law school out in Los Angeles. And then I heard about the teaching job. I still can't remember where I heard about it, <laughs> heard about the teaching job and needed more challenging parts of my work and decided to, uh, take the leap and go into teaching for some time. And then, you know, eventually got into event planning at UCLA after after the teaching uh, was done, that credential was done. I was on a two-year teaching credential and to keep going to teach, you had to enroll in a graduate program in education. And I knew at the time, hey, that's not where I wanted to go. So I'm not going to do this. So I feel like it was very easy for me to sort of hop around when I had jobs because jobs came with a lot of what we consider benefits, right? Mm -hmm. If I go to this job, okay, and it's full-time and it's a reputable company or organization, yeah, I'm going to have health insurance. I'm going to have a lot of things taken taken care of for me. So for me in that aspect, it was very easy in my career in in nursing as well. I have been in several different nursing specialties, including burn, burn trauma, step down. I've worked in the ER. Um, Most of my nursing career was ER. I've also worked in forensic nursing and in nursing, you can move around and you get like on the job training as you move around. So it was easier in my career. Now in my business, it was so much harder. Harder. So I started blogging. I remember looking up the term, I heard this term blog, and I remember Googling, and I think it was a Yahoo search at the time. <laughs> I remember saying, what is a blog? And so I started a blog right after I got the definition. <laughs> so I figured out how to start a blog. And this was around 2013 or 2014. And I started blogging on nursing. Um, I had been a nurse for two years at that point. I started blogging on nursing, career, self-care, and then I started traveling a little bit more. So I started blogging on traveling as well. And then I fell into sort of coaching because I'd have nurses who were on my, I built a really, you know, big email list at the time. When I think about it, I think I got up to like 2,500 people Wow! just by, yeah. And and within a span, I I don't even know what the span of time it was, but it just seemed like from now, my perspective now, it seemed like it 
grew so quickly and fast um, in a short amount of time, but I was blogging. And so I had nurses who were on my email list asking me how I get to travel and blog. And am I working as a nurse still? And so it turned into a coaching business. So I started coaching nurses on those different aspects of career, business, lifestyle, self-care. But for years, it did not feel in alignment. And I would say one or two years afterwards, when I started that business, it started feeling out of alignment. I enjoyed it at first because I, I love teaching and I love when people come to me for advice. I love helping them out. And a few years later, it was just harder and harder for me to get clients. And I was, I didn't realize it then, but I know now is because it just didn't feel in alignment with what I wanted to do, or I didn't feel confident in the work that I was doing. And so it took me a very long time to shut down that business. So I started feeling that way around 20, maybe 2016, 2015, 2016, somewhere around that time. And it took me until November, 2022 mm -hmm. to say, okay, this doesn't feel right. I found something I think that may be right, but this doesn't feel right anymore. And I finally decided to email my list and say, Hey, okay, I'm shutting this down. I'll share what's next, you know, when it comes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for me, business was a harder leap to switch and make a pivot because you're not only affecting, you know, the potential income. And of course I was still working as a nurse full time, but it was just harder to do in business because you didn't want to seem like a failure. People in the business space, you didn't want them to think, oh, well, her business couldn't survive because it wasn't a good business or she didn't know how to run her business. So a lot of that came up, a lot of imposter syndrome, like, oh my God, I can't do something else because people are going to think I'm just a flake and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so it was harder in the business world to make a pivot. However, getting back to what you're asking about the tip or strategy, I think my biggest piece of advice that I give on any podcast episode has usually been start before you're ready. And starting before you're ready could mean something as simple as not quitting what you're doing in the moment, but starting something up that's going to later replace that. And my biggest way of thinking about this is when I was blogging back in the day, I would hit publish on a blog article when it was 80% done. Mm -hmm. And then I would email my list when it was 80% done because I knew the moment that email went out and they and people were opening my emails because they wanted to see where Marsha was today. Is she in Greece and she is, is she in Turkey? So as soon as they opened that email, I knew, oh, okay, now I got to go finish it. Now I got to go finish, you know, so always hit published on 80% <laughs> and it'll get you a lot further than you think it would especially as an introvert, because I find that whether it's my social media posts or really my solo podcast episodes, if I were to go back and reread or re-listen them, I would not publish them because I would start <laughs> overthinking it or I could say this better. I don't know. That's kind of cringy. So um, <laughs> it's also like that ability to just sort of wall it off for me. And I'm like, that's, that's done. It's over with. I will never think about it again. <laughs> My goodness, Julie, we have, we are so similar in that respect. Like I just started a new podcast called the uh, event secrets podcast. So I just started that new podcast and it's like, okay, let me listen to it while I'm editing it. 
And I do some really, really light edits. I don't do in the music anymore. I've had two podcasts in the past. Um, so I don't do the music and things anymore. So I said, I'm just going to start easy. I'm just going to start talking. And this is a start before you're ready. I just, you know, start hit record on Audacity and I use it and I record right from my mic, like I'm doing a Zoom. <laughs> and it's so funny you say that I... I play it once after it's done and I never want to hear it again mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. Or my voice is so cringy. Oh, I don't want to go back and, you know, take that piece out. Oh, it sounds horrible. <laughs> but yeah, you, you hit publish and you go and it will take care of itself. <laughs> it does. So thank you, first of all, so much for sharing that. I think that's going to be really helpful for so many people. Now let's really dive into, because I'm super excited to talk about live events. I have been Mm -hmm. working in the online space, gosh, for four or five years now. And I've had a couple OBM clients who have had live events, but it hasn't been super common. I've actually been approached to host live events because I'm in Alaska. And so, you know, it's a really cool destination potentially for people to come to. Usually when you talk to people, they'll say, I've always wanted to go there. It's one of my favorite places. It's on my list. So can you tell us what type of businesses, in your opinion, are really well set up or should consider these live type of events? Okay. Well, several things. I feel anybody who has a message and wants to teach can host a live event. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the time now you see it in the coaching space where Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the live, live coaches, the healers, the practitioners, those who host retreats and things like that. But I think anyone can host a live event and all it really takes is say for instance, um, an online business manager and you, you have your course. So all it really takes is putting that course, taking pieces from that course and putting it in a format that can be presented live and then bringing your community together to actually impart that knowledge on them and help them uh, with some action items, some action workshops or things during the event to help them get things done in the process. One thing you always wanna do is look at the outcomes. When you're thinking about the idea of, can I possibly host an event in my particular industry, in my space? One thing you wanna think about is, okay, well, if I do host an event, what is the outcome that I want people to get from that event? I think that's probably the first thing you wanna think about if it's just something that's kind of swimming around in your head that you've never really seriously considered it, but it's something that you think may be something that you want to do. So what's, what's the best outcome for your clients? And then just building your curriculum or your agenda around that. So anybody can do it. Um, again, mostly you'll see, you know, the coaching uh, space really taking this on, but I think anyone who has a following who has potential clients or customers or who already have clients or customers who already teach those clients or customers anyway, and in some type of arena, say for instance, online courses, workshops, webinars, if you're already doing that anyway, and you're already doing it virtually and uh, on a zoom call or, you know, Google meet any type of online space, you can definitely do it in a live atmosphere. And it, and then it depends on what type of event you want to have, you know, do you want to have a small intimate retreat? Um, do you want to have a mastermind where you're bringing people in, you know, a certain industry or 
uh, community together to share ideas and give feedback and suggestions to one another? Or do you want to have like that large, you know, multi-day event where you're bringing in experts and other speakers to help you put on programming? So it's really just taking into account, okay, what are the outcomes that I want for my clients um, if I were to hold an event? And what type of event do I want to hold? What type of event would be better for my clients? So looking at those two pieces first, I think anybody should probably consider if that's what they're thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. And I could see, you know, as you're talking, there are so many questions that I had. I could see really in this instance, especially hiring help would be so critical because you're thinking about that programming, but also how much is this going to cost? Should I bring in other people? How much are those people get paid? What, you know, all those, and then it gets even more granular. So all those details, um, I'm glad there are people like you in the world that, that help with that, because there's so many people that are in the entrepreneurial space that have beautiful messages. And they are those big picture thinkers. They need that support to be able to pull these things off. Um, but it's so valuable when they're able to. And just to let you know, Julie, I'm so. What is what is one thing you think people worry about when they think about the event planning process? What do you is if there's something that comes to your mind when you think about it? If you well, haven't had an event before, sure, I would think. Am at what point do you know? Because when you're developing an online course, a popular theory is you pre-sell the course and build it when they sign up. And so my thought would be. First of all, is anybody, do they even want to come? Do they even want this? So how much do you put in planning on the front end to reserve spaces and, you know, think about your programming and where's that balance of if people aren't, if your idea isn't proven, how do you even know if they're going to sign up? Yeah. So money, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it comes down to money. If you already have the clientele, if you're already selling services, courses, high ticket items. If you're already selling, you know, you have a proven concept, right? You already have something that people are buying and especially if you're making an income off of it. So you have sort of like a model sort of to go from a curriculum, um, as you would think. So most people worry about the money. How much is this going to cost me? So I'm currently working with uh, two seven-figure coaches and they're worried about the money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're making enough money to put on an event, but they are worried about the money. And so one thing that you should think about, if you think about hiring an event planner to help you with some of the ideas that are coming in your mind, like, oh yeah, I can get on stage and I can teach people, or I can do a retreat or a small mastermind and have people come together to network and, you know, um, give feedback to one another. If you hire an event planner, the first thing you really want to ask them is, um, how much is this going to cost? And if their answer is something other than $0 out of pocket in the end, then you probably want to look for more another an event, another event planner. So your event should make you money. There's no reason to host an event if you're really, and you're in it for the business. Mm -hmm. It's a part of your business. 
there's no re reason to add this business model to your business if you're not going to make money from it. And so often I see, of course, people, that's the first worry. Like, I wonder how much it's going to cost me to get all of this stuff up and running. Your event planner should help you budget. And that's one thing I do. I, I have a simple, simple budgeting tool that I help you know, with clients budgeting. So we make sure that whatever is the outcome, they're ensuring a profit instead of coming out of pocket. So you always should make a profit. Now, of course, sometimes if you have not done this before, sometimes, yes, it does happen where you're coming out of pocket at the end, but your goal should always be to make some type of profit at the end. And it's totally possible. The one mistake that I've seen business owners make when they have hosted their own events before is that they don't charge enough mm -hmm. and they underestimate the value of what they're providing to their clients in this particular live space. So that's the biggest issue. I think people who've hosted events in the past, why they may not want to do it again, because one, they were doing it by themselves and they were not working in their own zone of genius. Mm -hmm. They were working in other people's zone of genius and they were not geniuses in those, <laughs> in those areas. And then two, they're not pricing accordingly. So you can totally host an event where cost should not be an issue. Thank you. That's, I love that tip. I feel like yeah. we need to clip that out. Like that's a hot tip. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my hot tips. Yeah. If, if, yes. Yeah. If, if hosting an event and money is always like the big, you know, issue, like I said, two seven figure coaches I'm working with now and money is there is on their mind. Uh, you should always have a profit uh, when you host an event. And if you don't have a profit the first time you do it, if you're working with an event planner, the next time you do it, you strive for a profit. And, um, and there's ways to do that ethically. And this is not to say, okay, we're only in it to, of course, make money. Because what did I say first? I said, if you're thinking about hosting an event, the first thing you want to think about is what are the outcomes that you mm -hmm. want for your clients? Of course, you want to serve your clients, right? So that's Absolutely. really most importantly. And then of course, the money will come when you're serving your clients at a higher level and a higher level is in an event space, an online space, or an um, in-person space, but I love the in-person space because I feel like you can serve a client at a higher level. Now let's talk about some of those other benefits of having an in-person event, because as you mentioned in the beginning, I was actually surprised myself at how much different I do VIP days. And so one of my VIP days, I did over multiple days with a client in person. It was my first in-person VIP day. And the energy, the ideas, the progress we made felt so like on fire, not in necessarily to say that the ones that you do online aren't like that, but it was easier. It felt like there was a barrier um, down. And so I know that you're going to have some great benefits and get us really excited about the potential of hosting a live event. Yeah. And to go to your example, there are lots of things that are playing into, you know, all of the ideas that are coming forward that you feel like you may not be able to get in a virtual setting. It's because one, you're looking at their full body language. Um, you're able to read them better in an in-person space than an online space. And then I, I still think vibrational energy, um, we bounce ideas off of one another. We, one person gets excited. That makes me excited. So I think it's a lot different. Um, when you come together and sort of um, hash things out or try to get ideas from one another. So I think it's, um, 
I think all of that helps. There are plenty of benefits, of course, um, of hosting live in-person events. Plenty of benefits of hosting them virtually as well, but hosting live in-person events, number one, it builds your community, right? So whether this is a brand new community, which is how I got started last year when I hosted a three-day live event, we built a brand new community around the event. So it helps you build community. It helps people come together for a common purpose, a common goal. And again, you want to look at the outcomes that you're promising your clients because you want everybody to be working towards something that's similar because in the in-person space, they can uh, now help each other out. They can give feedback to one another. They can give, you know, suggestions. They can work in workshop and, and, um, in-person space. Uh, you can host workshops where they help one another get those things done. So building community, getting feedback, suggestions, of course, great benefits. Um, and then business besties. <laughs> so, so business besties, uh, spiritual besties, you know, it doesn't mean that your event has to be business-based. Your event can be, you know, you can, if you're a knitter and you have a knitters conference every year, <laughs> you can come and, you know, have a knitting circle every single year in this fabulous location, a retreat center, Bali, wherever you want to do it. So it doesn't mean that your event has to be specifically tailored to business or business owners. You can host an event in any type of space. So bringing to people together so they can have those besties now that they can contact after the event. So um, I mentioned earlier, since January, I've been to three live events. And I just got back, I was telling you this morning, just got back on a red eye this morning from one of those three. And the purpose of me going to those three events this year was to have people I can share and network with and just have a business community sort of support because I'm a nurse. I've always, you know, in the past several years, I've been a nurse. Um, my friends are nurses. Um, people around me are nurses. So usually it's okay. What's going on at work? You know, <laughs> what's going on with this doctor? What's going on, you know, with, you know, dynamics in the healthcare system. So when building a business, I had to find people who could support me in that aspect as well. So I decided to start going to events, uh, more events. And yeah, I went specifically for the past three events, just to have some business best friends. So say for instance, you're out there and you feel like you're doing it, you know, all by yourself and say you're part of a spiritual retreat and maybe you're an introvert like Julie or I, and you, you know, do all this stuff on your own, or you try to accomplish your thing, your goals and, you know, things on your own, going into a community where people are who have the same goals, you now have support, you now have that support system that you can reach out to afterwards. And for me, Hey, these past three events have been key. I now box people <laughs> in our community. A couple of us have gotten together and now we're boxing each other, you know, every so often just bouncing ideas off of one another, talking to one another. So yes, bringing together a community, bringing together new friends in that community, that's another benefit. Um, another benefit, of course, you're going to get better outcomes. When you bring people together who are working together for a common goal and they're helping one another, you as the, the host of that event, you're going to have clients who get better outcomes. And then of course, they're going to get the outcomes for themselves. So that's another benefit. Another benefit is uh, boosting your authority and your impact as a host. So how many people who are listening out there 
when you think of names like uh, Mel Robbins or Oprah or even Oprah, you know, or <laughs> Renee Brown or, um, you know, anybody who's on stage in a really visible way, they make a lot of impact because they can reach a lot of people. And when you're on stage, you now have assets, whether it's photography, videography, um, testimonials, you have now curated assets from being on stage at your own event that you can show others that you are leading a community, you are teaching a community, and it helps build your own authority. It helps build your own impact. And people will now know more about you and the work that you do. So that's one benefit as well, building your authority, building your impact. And then another benefit is boosting your income and your profits. You know, So if done correctly, your event, of course, can and should make you money. Now, how much money? It depends on what type of event that you want to hold, whether it's a mastermind type setting or a retreat type setting. Um, you can be pretty you know, profitable if you're really intentional on how you price your events and you want to make sure you're pricing it for the value, not because you want to get people there. So, mm-hmm. so those are some of the benefits that come with hosting in-person events. And there are a slew of others, of course. Now, I would love, because we've talked a few times about introversion, and surprising to me, whenever I have an episode or I talk about being introverted, a lot of people reach out, and I find that it can be a big mindset you know, thing when people are talking about promoting their business, even posting on social media, it's like, well, I'm an introvert, so I don't like to do that. I can't do that. And so I love hearing not only that you have been to these events this year, that you love hosting events, that you've attended events. Do you have any tips for those of us that are identify as introverted, either for attending or if there's mindset blocks in hosting these events, because I'm always thinking about modulating my energy, right? I can give and I'm really excited, but part of the cost of that is that for me, I need that downtime. Like I need that time completely just to recharge. So what do you tell people if they came to you and said, I'm an introvert, but I want to, I'm curious about hosting an event. Um, Do you think this possible for me? Yes, yes, and yeah. yes, it, it's totally possible. And the way you do it is you schedule your downtime. Two, the two clients that I just spoke about, the two seven-figure coaches, they are both introverted. And one, we built her agenda around blocks of time where other people are doing the work so she can go rest and have time in her schedule to really come into herself and really reset. So you want to schedule the time, whether it's scheduling time in your agenda. So you can say, for instance, let's just go for like day one of an agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, you come in, people have breakfast, um, you have a first opening session. Of course, it's your event. So you're opening that, you're opening that session. You have an, you know, hour to a 90 minute session. Of course, as an introvert, that's going to take a lot out of you. Um, So the next session, you may say, hey, I'm going to schedule some other activity that does not involve me in this programming. And then I'm going to schedule a second activity that does not involve me in this programming, although it's still centered around what I'm teaching at the event. It can be workshopping with other experts or other help or anything like that, or implementation from the prior session where someone else can moderate that. Um, And then the last session, you come in, you wrap it up. And after that event, 
after that day one, you have your scheduled downtime. You can reach out to those in your support system, where whether it's your assistants or other type of staff that you have to have them host evening events. And one of the the one of the masterminds I went to, the client, the host of the event of the mastermind, highly introverted, and she had evening sessions like evening, you know, drinks and dinner, but she did not attend those. She had her people who were, you know, speaking at the event host you know, individual sessions on the evening so she could go and recuperate. And um, so you just have to schedule it. And most important, uh, importantly, when you host your event and the event is over, you schedule downtime after the event. Even this uh, three-day event I just came from, um, I didn't pack up and leave uh, the day of the event. You know, I didn't pack up and leave that third day and say, okay, I'm going to pack my things and put it at, you know, behind the front desk and then I'll go right to the airport. No, I stayed an extra day so I can sleep in and it's okay to sleep in maybe one day or two days, stay an extra day, sleep in, and then get, you know, get your bearings, get reset and go. Um, one thing I love doing around trips is planning downtime after trips. So if you're planning a mastermind or you're planning a retreat, say you're planning a retreat in Bali, and I've been to Bali twice, so I love Bali. There's so many things you can do in your downtime. So if you're planning a retreat in Bali, a two or three day retreat, or probably a week long retreat, since it's such a far away place that people have to, you know, find the value in going if it's, if they're going to travel for so long. Um, if you're having a retreat, make sure you have you know, if you're doing a three to five day retreat or a week retreat, make sure you have three or four days on the back end so you can enjoy your time and you can rest and you don't have to get up and do anything immediately afterwards. Don't plan meetings. Don't plan staff meetings immediately afterwards. Uh, don't do any of that. Make sure you are scheduling your self-care and scheduling your downtime even within the event. Most importantly, within the event, because you're going to need your energy. And, and yes, I'm an introvert. I know when I go to an event that my goal is to not have anything scheduled around it and to come home and be able to just rest and sleep in for a couple of days if I want to. Absolutely. Well, not today because you're yeah, an amazing today. trooper. <laughs> <laughs> not today. That was some uh, scheduling snafus, but not today. But yes, other than that, yeah. I also <laughs> find that when I've gone to do like uh, retreats or VIP days with clients where I have traveled, that if I go a day early, I can get that sort of jet lag off. I can get my bearings, get some good food, get a good night's sleep. And it really affects how I'm able to show up then at that event. And I'm not just like getting off an airplane and going right to an event. So maybe even thinking about, you know, that downtime on the top side of an event too. And I would, I would uh, argue even two days before the event, because you never know what would happen the day of, uh, before the event when you're trying to get somewhere and your flight is canceled. That happened to me recently. Mm. You're trying to get somewhere to meet people for, you know, dinner at an event and your flight is canceled, 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 canceled. And you get there, you know, midnight and the next morning is the event. Um, that just recently happened to me. So planning maybe even two days before the event. So that first day you get there, you recoup from the jet lag. <laughs> you, you just go to dinner casually, you do your thing. And then the next day you have a clearer head of like looking at the event 
schedule and, you know, planning for your big day. So um, yeah, even one or two days before the event is always best, always time after the event. I would caution against going straight home. If you're at an event um, location, that's not your hometown or your home city, I would say, Hey, take an, an extra day or two and just unwind at the hotel or space where you're at before you hop on a plane and go anywhere. I love that. And I'm really tickled because I didn't know that you had just started a podcast. So we're going to have to, we always have everything in the show notes. We're going to have every link to reach out to you, to the podcast, but there's so much to dive into. And there's so much richness in this discussion about these live events. And so I love that people are able to reach out to you and connect more. Can you tell us your favorite ways for people to reach out if they're like, I need to know more about this. I need to book a call with you to talk to you about an idea that I have. How do people go about doing that? Yes. Um, I made it easy for one. Um, if you go to bookmarsha.com, uh, that's the easiest way to book a call with me. And if you've been thinking about event planning, for a while or just curious about it and you think it's something that you really can do, um, go to bookmarsha.com and we can talk and we can strategize on how we can get you an event, a profitable event up and running, whether it's a retreat, mastermind, or multi-day event. So that's the best way. Also, you can go to my Instagram. That's where I'm now sharing tips and strategies on event planning. Like um, I think I just shared something yesterday about three ways to really take care of your client. Um, at an event. So follow me on Instagram at Marsha Batty. Um, and those are the best ways. You can also go to Event Secrets Blueprint, which is my website right now, and get some information there as well. Now, as we're finishing up, and I don't know about the rest of the people, but I find that either I have clients that want to host events And as an OBM, you're always thinking about who can I connect with? Who can I bring in? Who can I hire that can make my client's dreams come true? Or, you know, people that are thinking about hosting their own events. What final words do you have or encouragement do you have for us about taking this step into a live event? Or if you've had them in the past and you're thinking about doing them again in the sort of new landscape um, post the last couple of years, what advice would you give to people? Yes. Number one is to get help. And I talk about getting help in a framework that I use to work with clients. Getting help is most important. You wouldn't want um, a car salesman doing brain surgery, right? You wouldn't want to be an online business manager who focuses everything online and then think to yourself, okay, let me go host a live in-person event. So I say whether you, you know, book a call with me or uh, do your own searches for event planners, I say first and foremost, get help and you can get recommendations from people um, who have hosted events, see how they did it. Um, A lot of times you'll find that a lot of business owners will do it themselves, but I find that sometimes when that happens, they wind up stressed in the process and they don't get the right downtime. Um, They don't have the right energy throughout the whole event like they would want to have. Um, So getting help first and foremost is I think most important. Um, And then getting clear on if it's, if it's something that you really want to do, if you see yourself on stage, if you see yourself uh, being a person who can make a bigger impact on stage, bringing people together to help them, you know, help them with their goals, help them with their outcomes. If you see that as a possibility, I would say, go ahead and shoot for it. And like I said before, anyone 
can host an event in any industry. Uh, you just have to know that you know how to teach people a certain type of skill, a certain type of um, certain types of mindsets. You just know how to teach people. And if you're already doing it in courses, if you're already doing it in workshops and webinars, and you have people coming to those courses, workshops, and webinars, you can also do it in an online space and uh, offline space. Um, and to me, in-person events, I love them. I don't know if I'll get into virtual event planning. I've done my own virtual events um, with nine speakers and, you know, <laughs> multiple, you know, cameras and stuff like that at once. But um, yeah, any, I think anyone can do it. You just have to be willing to get on stage and work in your zone of genius. And it can be a small stage. It doesn't mean that it has to be a large stage. It can just be you in a retreat center workshopping with those in your community. So that's beautiful. I feel very inspired and I love it when someone's able to bring something closer and make it feel like a possibility when maybe it didn't feel like a possibility for them or their business before hearing you. So thank you so much for your inspiration. Thank you for showing up. You get the VIP of the podcast award because <laughs> coming off of a red eye flight myself recently, I was mushed for probably 48 hours afterwards. So the fact that you can articulate your thoughts so beautifully, it's like, uh, I, my hat's off to you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a couple of hours of sleep that I was able to get before we got back on. <laughs> I'm impressed. Well, I know I will be following along and learning about live events with you on Instagram and I can't wait to tune into your podcast. So again, Marcia, thank you so much for being a guest today and just sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you for having me here. And I'm really glad that I was a part of the Dreamers Manual podcast. So thank you so much. 